Good evening and welcome into Tunnel Vision, a show presented to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Jack Smith, joined in studio by Ryan Abraham and Connor Morissette to preview USC's trip out to South Bend, Indiana to face their rivals, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Trojans are 6-0 and they enter this gauntlet stretch and the first matchup is against the Leprechauns. It's Notre Dame and USC, one of the greatest intersectional rivalries in college football. And we get another installment in South Bend where the Trojans have struggled, haven't won since 2011, but who knows, this could be the first year after beating Notre Dame at home under Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams last year. If you guys have any questions, comments, things you want to say on the show, you can make sure to leave those comments wherever you're watching. We can get them on the screen or you can call into the show at 5124-TUNNEL. And while you're at it, hit that thumbs up button, the notification bell, everything like that. Subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. But guys, it's USD and Notre Dame, one of the best rivalries in college football. So excited to be able to go out to South Bend and get the chance to watch. Yeah, it's going to be a real big one. And uh, I'm glad you guys can be here previewing. Everyone, thank you for watching us live or watching if you're watching the replay later on. That's awesome, too. But we're live on YouTube, Facebook, and uh, Twitter, or X, or whatever you want to call it now. So thank you for everyone for joining us. And we'd love to get your questions and comments. And we got the live caller thing going, 5124 Tunnel, which is going to be awesome. But this is a big one. USC, if you looked at the beginning of the season, you kind of looked at the first four games, you're like, meh. And it was kind of meh. Uh, now, USC didn't play. You thought USC might play well. They played some good games early on, and then it was pretty meh. The schedule's kind of meh. No one really ranked high, and there's a bunch of teams in the country that have done that, you know, like Michigan. There's other teams that now the meat of the schedule is coming up. And for USC, five of the next six games are ranked teams, you know, and some big road road trips. Uh, you know, going to Notre Dame is a big one, um, going to Austin Stadium and, and Oregon. But this is sort of like, you know, where the rubbers meet in the road. Okay, you can talk about, well, this was bad, or this or, you still won this game, it's tough to win on the road, and there's a lot of talk, and, and it's fine, I think, you know, it makes sense, but now it's, this counts. Now this is sort of like you were taking the PSATs, and now you're taking the real one. Like, this is, oh, that's great that you, uh, you got, like, um, some scholarship inquiries because you did well on your PSATs, but the real one, to get you into school, this is what's going on right now. You got to go on the road and beat a Notre Dame team that's, Lost two of their last three. Uh, it's going to be a tough environment for sure, but they've had three games in a row against ranked opponents. Now, later on in the season, USC is going to have something like that. But right now, you got to be fresh coming in, right? You have not played. You've played some tough games, but they weren't against super tough teams. So you got to go on the road and show everyone Caleb Williams is the best player in the country. This is why. This defense is actually better than last year. This is why. Go get a win on the road. If it's by a point, I don't care. It, no more talk, no more excuses. Just go win a game against Notre Dame. And if you do that, I will listen to anything Lincoln Riley or Alex Grinch says. You get a win and you want to talk about this is the best. I will listen to anything you have to say, but you got to go on the road and get this win. I agree. People will start to buy in more than they have so far if USC can get a win. But what a fascinating game. If you're a USC fan, you don't like the defensive coordinator for USC, you don't think the defense is very good. If you're a Notre Dame fan, you think the offense for them is terrible and you want the offensive coordinator fired. Something has to give on, on Saturday. <laughs> Notre Dame's offense has been bad. USC's defense, they've had some moments, but I wouldn't say they've been particularly great to start the year either. So which unit that is embattled and hasn't had a good start to the season is going to come out on top? I'm really fascinated by that because Notre Dame's defense, it's the best USC has played this year, and USC's offense is, of course, really talented. So those two sides of the ball are good. The other two sides of the ball, 
Mixed opinions there so far this season. What a fascinating, fascinating matchup. Well, Ryan, we've already got a request uh, from someone for a rant. So I don't know if you want to do a Ryan's rant. Maybe not as long as the Stanford one, but Andrew on YouTube said, Ryan, can you give us a rant on the history of the USC-Notre Dame rivalry the way you did for Stanford? He'd love to hear a little bit of the history because he's only 34. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm not a great historian. I kind of give you a little rant to why this matters. This game matters. But, um, but the history. Let's talk about yeah, the Yeah, I mean, here. this was uh, – I mean, when I got to school in 1989, um, you know, there was uh, – Notre Dame was on their, like, big winning streak. Uh, I think it was, like, 12 games or so. And it wasn't until, like, the mid-'90s that um, USC kind of broke through. So, like, sort of my first, uh, you know – indoctrination, I guess, into this was, you know, Notre Dame and Notre Dame won the national championship the year before I got to college, Lou Holtz. And it just seemed that there was no replay. And I remember like the, I think it was my freshman year, there was a catch, like a USC receiver, like caught the ball and was tackled backwards. Like it was like, you know, to go like drive to like win the game and sort of you catch the ball and wherever you catch the ball, that's where you're marked. And then he was kind of pushed backwards out of bounds and they marked about a bounce short of the first. And it was just like, there was no recourse. You're like, and it was always like the luck of the Irish kind of stuff. So that was sort of like early memories, uh, you know, of that, like, you know, from from going on there. And uh, I think it's one of those things where it's a very, uh, for USC fans, it's a very satisfying win. USC hasn't gone into South Bend and won since 2011. But there's no greater, I think it was Marv Gu that talked about this, uh, you know, there's no greater joy than beating Notre Dame and there's no greater pain than losing to UCLA. So it doesn't if USC beats UCLA, it's like you don't you're not doing cartwheels. You just don't want to lose to them. But when you beat Notre Dame, that matters the most. This is the most important game. If you want to talk about the highest of highs for USC fans, this is the one you want to get. Especially uh, going to South Bend, the jeweled shillelagh and all that. And there've been some, you know, just up and down. You know, Pete Carroll had a, a great run uh, against Notre Dame, and there's some coaches who just had a really hard time I think uh, you know we saw that but this is one of those things Lincoln Riley you know people are like being critical and stuff he hasn't lost to a rival yet you know so this is a this is going to be try number three you beat UCLA and Notre Dame in the same season that's always really good and I think people kind of lose sight of that you maybe forget about it like he hasn't lost to a rival yet like that, that'd be one thing if you were winning 10 games and you lost to Notre Dame and UCLA so it's a big one um I, I feel like it's very important uh, for Lincoln Riley and the messaging that's going on, uh, you know, if if you want to be believed of what, you know, hey, this is all better, um, then you got to go and win this game because this isn't like a juggernaut Notre Dame team. I think the next two weeks, Notre Dame and then Utah at home, Utah struggling. We'll see if Cam Rising comes back this week, but I, I'm not guessing he's not. Two not very good offenses. So your worst unit is your defense. You're playing two offenses that are struggling right now. You have a great offense against good defenses. Like you should win these. On paper, these are definitely winnable matchups. Even though you think, oh, going in, USC is not playing that well. Well, uh, Utah's complaining about their offense. Notre Dame's complaining about their offense. This is a perfect opportunity for your defense that you feel is better playing struggling offenses, one on the road, one at home, and come out with victory. So it, it's a. I mean, obviously, I love the the history overall of the rivalry. You know, the the wives of. Uh, you know, Newt Rockney and John and uh, and um, John McKay, you know, coming together and putting not John McKay, uh, Howard Jones, Howard Jones. I'm sorry, putting this together and in uh, in you know cross country train trips and all this kind of stuff. And the reason this game is played in October is because you know they've come to an agreement. 
Um, USC and Notre Dame. USC doesn't want to go to November, you know, November to South Bend. They want to go October, and Notre Dame would like to come to Los Angeles in November when it's crappy. So they, that's part of the agreement. The seats, at least they used to, I don't know if it's still that way, but you move seats over, like season ticket holders would get moved over in the Coliseum. So Notre Dame would have some better seats and the same thing in Notre Dame Stadium. So there's a lot of kind of agreements. There's a lot that has gone into this game over the years. And when the people are like, well, you're going to join the Big Ten, are you going to drop it? There's no freaking way that they're ever going to drop this game. This is this is a reason why you go to USC and a reason why you go to Notre Dame. Like, this is a huge part of college football the tapestry, the history, the rivalry, all that kind of stuff. So it's a it's a big deal. So if you haven't been around that while, um, and, you know, we've seen sort of like USC be good and Notre Dame not be good. Um, you know, they're both ranked again. I, I, you know, it hasn't happened a lot or, you know, it's, it's kind of a hit or miss when that happens. Um, but you want to go and win this game. It's a really important one. Uh, it's very satisfying. And uh, that's why this is, a, this is a huge week. This is the biggest week of the year uh, for USC. I think this one. Um, you know, I think Utah is so much just because you got to try to get over on a team that beat you three times in the last two years. Going to Autzen Stadium where the Ducks and the, the recruiting battle is like a really big deal. But this is the one. I mean, this is one you'd circle from the beginning. And the way it's played out, um, you know, USC being undefeated going in there. It's first time since 2005 USC has been undefeated going to South Bend. So uh, it's a really big deal. I can't provide too much on the historical context, but I always thought it was interesting in The Godfather Part 2 when Michael goes to meet Hyman Roth at his house in Florida. I think it's Florida. The game on the TV, it takes place in the 50s. It's USC Notre Dame, and Tom Kelly is calling the game, and that was always a really cool little moment in that movie, which is one of the greatest movies of all time, and it has USC Notre Dame. So that just kind of goes to show how big of a rivalry this is and how far back it goes. That was I, I think one Die Hard, too. Things. I think in Die yep. Hard, they're, they're watching it, too. Yeah. USC Notre Dame. So, yeah. Like right at that front desk. I hope uh, Lincoln Riley was tuned in to listen to your to that little bit of a rant because he said, you know, he's never been in, in, to a game at Notre Dame. Obviously, he played in that one matchup in the Coliseum last year, but he said his only previous um, education was watching Rudy 5,000 times. So if he just watches Tunnel Vision once, he's got a good background to the USC and Notre Dame. I'll help you out, Lincoln. Whatever you need. Just give me a call. We'll, you know. We'll chill at your pool or talk about what you know. It's been good. Yeah, you give the wisdom and he gives the the, the free pool for, for the day. Uh, Connor, I want to ask you specifically because I know that we were talking off air that you just watched Notre Dame's game from last week, and, and Ryan mentioned this isn't a juggernaut Notre Dame team. They have lost two of their last three. You could really argue that like they were super close to losing three of their last three because it was not a miracle, but it was a, a great late win versus Duke that took a fourth and 16 conversion from Sam Hartman on the ground. What did you see from the Fighting Irish, and do you agree with the sentiment that they're maybe not a juggernaut team like many thought they could be coming into the year? Probably not a juggernaut, especially two losses, even though the schedule's been so tough this early in the year. I know their fans are upset they're out of the college football playoff on October, whatever it was when they played. Now it's October 12th, but whenever last Saturday was, they were eliminated with the two losses. I think Sam Hartman is better than he showed against Louisville. He's thrown three interceptions. They all came in that Louisville game. Just an off night for him. He had a couple of mistakes that I was surprised to see. Their offensive line was a mess. I think they'll be a little bit better against USC. To me, that sort of looked like a rock bottom game, and I I know Pete Sampson, who covers Notre Dame for The Athletic, he wrote, this needs to be the rock-bottom game, otherwise Notre Dame is in real trouble. So I expect them to bounce back a little bit. They couldn't run the ball, which is something they've done really well against Louisville. That was a surprise. Hartman not playing well, that was a little bit of a surprise. Their offense, just in the last three weeks, they're averaging 18.333 points per game. They are not 
really getting it done on offense. And USC, we all know those struggles that their defense has had. So that's why I talked about earlier, just something's got to give. I think they're better than they showed against Louisville, but they're certainly a beatable team. And USC has a chance to go in on the road and win. I still think it would be a statement if they do go on the road and win. Notre Dame is better than they've shown. Yeah. Real quick, uh, someone in the chat said you can't talk about the Notre Dame rivalry without mentioning Anthony Davis, AD. Yeah, he was known as the Notre Dame killer. Um, every time, you know, he just scored multiple touchdowns. And I, it's one of those things, um, early uscfootball.com days, or man, I don't know, whatever, maybe like in the 2000s, sometimes we would get players to help out. Uh, and, you know, Jeff Kopp was a, a linebacker. Uh, played for the Jaguars for a, a while at USC, and like we kind of became friends. And he would do, I think I call it the Cop Files, and would talk about different games and some of the history. And every player that I've ever had sort of um, give their commentary, either writing columns or um, you know anything like Shane Foley had done some stuff for us. He did the Foley Report. Whenever you talk to former players, like this is the game that makes that like they remember the most. Uh, this was the most important to them. The, everyone knows, like all these guys that have signed this helmet, and Anthony Davis is on here and stuff. Anthony Munoz, like any of the legends of USC, like this is the game that they circle. Like this is the one that matters the most. You want to win this game, so maybe it doesn't have the same sort of feel for some of the younger fans, uh, you know, that are. Um, newer to USC, but just know historically, um, it was the the biggest deal. When when every game wasn't on national television, this wa always was. Like this was um, the game, and so yeah. Like if just talk if you know any former players, like ask them like, hey, you know, what's it like playing UCLA, and then ask them what's it like playing Notre Dame, and you're going to get a completely different answer. And it, they're going to, I mean the. You know, all of the like the, what my heart was beating, and I was coming out of the tunnel, and I was sweating, and I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep the night before. Like that's the kind of answers you get when when former players talk about playing Notre Dame. So that's that's kind of a little, I guess, behind the scenes with the rivalry too. So rant part two. <laughs> well, there you go. So we'll see. We, we got to talk to some players this week, and we ask obviously every week about the rivalry thing. And I don't think they want to get like they don't want to trash talk. They don't want to do anything like that. But they're all talking about how this is an important rivalry. Kalen Bullock, who was part of that. His freshman year went to South Bend in 2021, part of that 4-8 and eight season. He's very eager to go back there to get a chance to go win in South Bend, something they couldn't do last year, obviously, because the game was in the Coliseum, and something they couldn't do in 2021 because the team wasn't great. Justin Didich, who's been here for a while, has made many trips to South Bend. This is what he called kind of that, that final game between him and Notre Dame, so he's excited for that one. He didn't know the exact record when they were going into Notre Dame in 2021, and he kind of asked, like, oh, was it bad? And someone's like, yeah, it is bad. It was bad. Um, but so he gets another chance to go to South Bend after the Trojans won in the Coliseum last year. Caleb Williams compared the rivalry to OU Texas. So there's clearly an edge to USC this week. There's the buzz around the fact that it is a rivalry week. And we've seen USC, they have shown up for their last two rivalry games. When you talk about the UCLA game last year and the Notre Dame game last year, and kind of getting into that game last year at the Coliseum, I don't know if you guys felt this as well, but it kind of felt like one of those games where USC was in control from the first snap of the game to the last snap of the game, which even against teams like Cal and Arizona, Arizona, you felt like you didn't say very often last season, but I just thought the Trojans last season really showed up well, and now I'm interested to see whether they can do that on the road, in the rain, in Notre Dame. Like That's going to be an interesting thing for me. They certainly look great last year. I thought that was one of the best coach games Lincoln Riley's had so far, so yeah, I'll be watching that too, Jack, and we'll see what happens because... 
like I keep saying, something has to give. I just don't know. Like, do you have confidence in this in this USC defense? I, I just don't know which way it, it will go because I think Sam Hartman's a better quarterback than we saw last week, like I said. But I also think the USC defense, you know, that they need a big performance. It's a massive week for Alex Grinch, and I can get into this a little bit more as the show goes on. He's the big figure this week for me. I think the USC defense needs to play pretty well to get this win, and I'm looking at Alex Grinch. It's a massive week for him. Yeah, I think it's a really big deal, and you're talking about a defense that you can say, well, they're really good at getting after the quarterback, tackles for loss. Notre Dame kind of, you know, their bread's buttered running the football, and uh, they were averaging, I think, over eight yards a carry uh, through the first four games when the schedule wasn't that difficult. Well, the last three games, they played ranked teams, and they're now like around the you know the low fours or something. So clearly, like they can run the ball. Sam Hartman hasn't looked as good the last few weeks, but they haven't run the ball well uh, in those games. You know, Ohio State, Duke, and Louisville. So and I'm, uh, this will kind of be a key, one of my keys to the game when I do the keys preseason. Uh, you know, pregame. Uh, film them there is I don't want to see USC allow Notre Dame to get back to the seven, eight yards of carry that they've been doing. That's what they did against crappy teams. Against good teams, they weren't. And so you want to be able to make it like so Notre Dame's just not running over you. Um, and, you know, I think that's going to be a really important aspect to this. We've seen USC, and I got something. If you guys aren't a member of the site, go to uh, uscfootball.com. You can sign up for a buck. But the war room comes out Friday morning. I got a lot of data in there about this USC defense and sort of like defenders for opponents. Doesn't matter who it is. It could be Nevada, it could be Arizona, it could be Colorado. So many players and teams have hit like high water marks for the season or for careers against this USC defense. And that's something you don't really want to see. So this is something Notre Dame does well. Don't let them do it as well as they did, uh, you know, in the early going. You want to see, like, how did they run the ball against Ohio State? Maybe not against Louisville. They couldn't do anything. Um, but, you know, somewhere in that range. I want to see rushing numbers for Notre Dame be closer to what they've done the last three weeks, which is recency and, you know, equivalent to as you know good teams as opposed to what they did uh, the first four weeks. If Notre Dame's just run the ball at eight yards a clip, then you're like, okay, what is going on here? You're not taking something away that you need to be able to do here. So that's one of the things for me. Can Alex Grinch do that? We know that Notre Dame wants to run the football. They've struggled doing it recently. They've struggled against better teams. Don't let them run the ball well against you because that's just going to show that you're not one of those better teams. Yeah, it was an area they showed up last year as well, allowing just 90 rushing yards, I believe, last year. To, and Notre Dame on the season averaged about 190 yards a game. So they held Notre Dame nearly 100 yards under their average per game total. Uh, Audric Estime, who's their you know their beast running back this year, was kind of a backup that had to play for them last year. He had a good day, but the overall rushing day uh, was not great for Notre Dame. Drew Pine, though, who was the quarterback for Notre Dame last year, he had a career day. So yes. you can't, and, and I think that might not be as likely because of the rain. I don't know if, if you're stopping the run well I'm not sure that Notre Dame will have as much success through the air and to be honest I don't think their passing weapons are as good this year but you also have Sam Hartman who's definitely a better quarterback than Drew Pine now is he going to put up bigger numbers who knows but Sam Hartman is a talented quarterback he struggled against Louisville last week struggled against them last year I believe 11 turnovers in two games in the last two years versus Louisville which is kind of just crazy for a guy that normally is so secure with the football yeah. but the run game is extra important every time you're going to play a rivalry game every time you're playing 
Notre Dame because they tend to always have good offensive lines and good backs. But with the weather, I think it's extra important because if you can stop Notre Dame from running the football like you did last year, I think you stand in a good spot if you're Alex Grinch and USC. The question is, can they do that? Or as Connor mentions, it's going to be, you know, which side's going to win? Is it going to be USC's defense gives up the run to a Notre Dame team that hasn't been as successful lately? Or does USC's defense, which hasn't been successful at stopping the run lately, do they kind of take advantage of a depleted Notre Dame offense? Yeah. I look at the Notre Dame run game and I think that they will be able to have success because USC, what have they done in the last three weeks to convince you that they've been able to stop the run? Mason Cobb had that nice play in triple overtime on a run play for Arizona, but everyone these last few weeks has ran the ball really well against the Trojans. Colorado couldn't run the ball at all. They did really well against USC. So the offensive line has had some issues for Notre Dame, but the talent in the backfield for the Fighting Irish with Estime and Jeremiah Love, a really, really talented true freshman. His role keeps growing week in and week out for them. I think that's a challenge, and I think that's going to be a problem for USC. They haven't shown me that they can stop the run these past few weeks, so I think that needs to be a concern. Yeah. On the USC side of the ball on offense, we kind of saw them struggle in the second half to the fourth quarter against Colorado. They came out really flat against Arizona. They ended up putting up 40 plus points, but it took three overtimes and it really took a lot of effort for them to score, which you feel like you don't say most weeks. Normally they can score with ease, get down the field quickly. This time was more methodical drives. Receivers, instead of catching the ball five yards open, were one yard open and Caleb had to fit it into different windows, had to will his way to scores. Are you guys concerned at all about the USC offense going to Notre Dame against what is Definitely the best defense they've faced so far. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, they've looked a little shaky, you know, and I th- I think some of it's going to be you, you're playing this to your level of competition. You're playing down to the level of competition, but I want to see it be a little more efficient. You know, Caleb Williams is a magician. He can figure whatever he needs to do, he figured out, but you would like things to sort of work uh, on script, you know, and I think one of the, the key factors in this one too is going to be how well does USC convert on third downs? Because they were bad. And I think a lot of times we've seen, uh, well, a couple weeks ago, you know, third and 20, USC ends up converting. And they were just able to do that because, you know, you have a great bunch of great wide receivers. Some guys got to get open. Caleb Williams will find them. They just didn't seem to, when they got manned up by the Arizona DBs and they would play a lot of DBs, they had their dollar package and stuff. But I think they played more man against USC than they did against Washington. There weren't these wide open guys as much. There was a couple times, and I think Caleb missed a couple of the guys, but for the most part, you didn't see that that easy throw, the easy pitch and catch, and you're converting on third downs. And USC's been pretty good at that, and they were bad uh, against Arizona. So I think you need to get back to that. That's definitely going to help uh, the defense out, too, if you can kind of move the chain somewhere. USC's going to get some explosive plays, and you might get those exciting 75-yard, you know, two-play drives or whatever. Like, that's great, but I think there's going to be times, too, you want to be able to kind of keep moving the chains, and, you know, so they, they do like to do, like, oh, they take the deep shot, they run the ball, and it's now third and eight, but they've been good at being able to pick that stuff up. They, they weren't against Arizona. They weren't picking those up, and you're giving the ball back right away. Um, so I think you need to be able to do that, be more efficient there, uh, get it, you know, get the pass game going. But Jack, I think they will. I just, I just feel like this is going to be a big Caleb Williams game. Like the guys that win the Heisman at USC, like this is a game that you do well in. Like this is when Carson Palmer won the Heisman, like that year he wasn't even on the cover of the media guide. And then you know people are like, oh whatever. And then he comes back and he has this huge game. It's like number six versus number seven in the Coliseum, and he you know throws for a million yards and basically like sealed the Heisman there. So I, I feel like. 
this is the one. Like, if you're a Heisman contender, this is the game you want to raise up and uh, and play. Like, he's going to have three rushing touchdowns in this one. He's going to like he's going to want to throw for four or five. And if he can do that, then I think USC's got a really good shot. I'm definitely not concerned with the offense. I don't think that's the right word. But I expect a bounce-back performance from the receivers or just a little bit more from them. Lincoln Riley said this week about his receivers, we made some plays, but we were inconsistent in terms of where we need to be. We were just a little bit a tick off. And when you do that and somebody's expecting you to be in a certain spot and you're not there, the game is so precise when you're playing it at a high level and our precision wasn't very good. I think, obviously, they need to be more precise in this game, have better precision. I was surprised to hear that. I thought the wide receivers for USC, like they were making, Lincoln Riley said, day one mistakes, and we need to get our precision back at a high level. I was was interesting. Like I, I just didn't think that a lot of the USC receivers would make day one mistakes this season. So I want a bounce back game from them, and I expect that to happen. I think, yeah, the Notre Dame defense is really good, but the USC wide receivers, they're a lot better than they showed last week against some of that Arizona man coverage. So I hear what you're saying, Ryan, about Caleb Williams. I think he'll play better throwing the ball. I think the receivers will play better throwing the ball. And we'll see if Zachariah Branch plays, because if he's back, that, of course, will allow them to be a lot more precise because he's so skilled. Yeah. yeah, we've gotten a lot of questions about, you know, updates on Zachariah Branch. And, you know, we got to talk to Lincoln Riley this morning during a Zoom press conference. It was asked about that, and he basically said he's still got a, he's still got a little bit to go to before they can you know make a statement about whether he's playing on Saturday I don't think we're going to have an answer until the team shows up in South Bend they strap the uniforms on they put the helmets on we're going to see if he's out there then he's out there if he's not then he's not Um, but Lincoln Riley said there's still some things that he needs to do because he's not able to do everything right now but just speaking about the wide receiver room as a whole I kind of think that Arizona did a really good job scouting it looked like they put all that on tape against Washington the drop eight the the heavy zone and then they went with kind of some strong man coverage early on again USC and that kind of I think threw the receivers off a bit threw Caleb off a little bit and then also I think just through the rest of the game with the offensive line not being able to protect for as long as it normally was during the season there was less time for the receivers to get open so I think that kind of that plays up a little bit on the, on the USC receivers not having the best day in the world because the offensive line didn't give that much time to run the routes, didn't give Caleb that much time to find him. But I think it is something that you need to look at because you don't have Jordan Addison this year. There maybe isn't one guy that Caleb Williams goes to every single time in those scenarios that you know beats man coverage one-on-one, even if it's the best corner lining up across from him. But I think USC needs to kind of get back to, we're going to do things our way. We're not just going to put the same offense out there all the time and then assume that defenses can't beat it. Because I think Arizona showed like, hey, we, we've seen what you guys did across the first five games. Here's our response. And I think USC did a good job responding to that later in the game. But they need to come up with something new against Notre Dame. And everyone's going to ask about, do you think Lincoln Riley is going to have new wrinkles for this second half of the season? They definitely are going to have new wrinkles. They'll have more trick plays, I'm sure. I, I think they're going to go out there and they are going to show up better in the first quarter than they did this past week because I think that scare that they survived against Arizona going down 17 nothing, coming out super flat I'm not sure they're going to let it happen again uh, they definitely could because it's a tough road environment we've seen them struggle in those before but I think if anything this will be a game that USC loses late I'm not sure they're going to let it get out uh, to, to a, a poor score early on like they did against Arizona yeah that would be concerning and uh, I think I mean some of this is it is noted like do you really you want to, you talk if you ask a player they're like no we treat every game the same and like they don't I mean there's no way that that's that's not true um, mentally you just can't do it USC's been at least a three touchdown favorite in every single game that kind of wears on you you know they haven't covered and you would think that after not covering a couple of them you would kind of get motivated to cover one of them. and I thought they would do that and they haven't so that's a little concerning for sure but 
you have to raise your level uh, when the competition is – when you know it's going to be this important. And I, that's just my gut feeling that they are going to do that. If they don't, um, I mean, my – projection for the rest of the season is going to be a lot more dire than it is now. Like, I feel like that, you know, I can give USC a pass, not looking good. It's week after week of just sort of like not as great competition. And I think they are very capable of, of stepping up their game. And, you know, you don't want to always have to do this, but the great ones can, you know, if you're LeBron or Kobe or whatever, like they turn on the switch, right? Like, yeah, you're going through, it's like game 67. You're like, okay. You know, do you really care? Uh, if they beat the Cavs by that much, it doesn't matter that much. But then, okay, like Milwaukee comes to town or something, and it's like, oh, it's like you're playing Giannis, and now it's like a whole big deal, and you kind of flip the switch. That just ha- it's just part of the mentality of this. I feel like USC is capable of flipping the switch. This is the game you do it. Now, if they don't, um, it, yeah, then it's not. I don't think it's going to be. Then there's something wrong. Then there's the the things, the issues that we're seeing are more of a, a system thing. Something's not quite right. It's not easy to put these teams together. I was really impressed with what they were able to do last year, the chemistry and everything. Um, but it's not always easy. I mean, a guy like Dorian Singer was so productive last year, and he's just not done much in this USC offense. And we'll see. He can still he can still shine. You know, it took uh, Brendan Rice a little while to get uh, acclimated with Caleb Williams last year. I mean, it, some of that stuff just isn't really easy. Um, but I feel like USC is capable of flipping that switch. And we'll see. We'll see Saturday. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, but if they are, I think that you feel a little bit better about, okay, they are really a playoff contender. They are someone that can win the Pac-12 on their last year. But if you go in and, and you don't play well in this game, then I, I don't think they're going to really be a contender anymore. And not that it's the most terrible thing in the world. I mean, it's like, hey, you know, it's, it's definitely part of a rebuild. But I think all of us, our expectations got raised uh, because of what the success that they had last year, if it doesn't happen, if they if they go and lose this game, I think you're going to have to lower expectations. It's going to be okay. This this rebuild is going to take a little longer because this is one I don't think you can really go out and lose. I said all of what you said right there last week, and it didn't happen. <laughs> they bounce back, they get back on track. I expected that game to be the turning point heading into the Arizona game that is heading into these tougher matchups, and it didn't happen. So I definitely hear what you're saying. And last week, I felt like they could flip the switch, and it's definitely still possible. The talent on the roster is there. They're loaded. But the last three weeks, I'm just a little nervous about this game. It's really hard to win on the road. And I thought if USC in one of the three games previously showed defensively that they could play a full game and offensively it all really clicked, then I would feel a little bit better. But I don't think that they played a complete game in any of the last three. And so I'm a little bit more concerned than I was heading into this Notre Dame game at the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you look at a team, the, the, just the way they're playing right now, if you were kind of looking at them like they were one prospect, they're a little bit raw. You know, you haven't seen it yet, but you know the potential's there. Yeah, it's definitely possible. The saying always goes, you know, you don't want your freshman or your rookie making, you know, his first start on the road or in the playoffs or anything like that. Like, this feels like kind of one of those games where sometimes, you know, the great ones, they will show up for that. You had Caleb Williams basically seal up the Heisman last year in this game, but... This is a team that you haven't seen them put it together really since the Stanford game, I would say. And Stanford's a much worse team than Notre Dame, even though they beat them last year. Like This is a game where you cannot show up and play like you did the last three weeks, where you're not playing perfect offense, and then you're not playing perfect defense, and you're never really playing in tandem with each other. You can't play like that and then win like they did the last three weeks. And I think you noticed from the Arizona State game, then to Colorado, then to Arizona, you went from a 14-point win to a 7-point win to a 2-point win. You, you were 
going in the wrong direction than where you wanted to go. Even though the, the competition was getting maybe marginally better each week, you can't survive like that for the entire season. They've got six games now, five of which are against top 20 teams currently in the AP poll. And if you can't beat Notre Dame this week, you might struggle through Washington and Oregon, who are two top 10 teams, two teams that could potentially go to the playoffs. So you really need to get on the right track this week. And we saw them get up for this game last year. We saw them get up for the UCLA game last year. Now it's just kind of, we're not going to be able to really know until Saturday, but if they're not able to come up with that on Saturday, then I think you're questioning this team going forward. Yeah, no, I would agree. And, you know, it doesn't affect the conference race, obviously, because it's an out-of-conference game, but it is kind of a barometer of what is to come, you know. Um, it's, you know, they are 4-0 in the Pac-12 right now, but if you go on the road and don't play well against a Notre Dame team that's kind of struggling. And this is the you know fourth game in a row um, of tough competition. You know this is USC's first game of a long you know stretch. So this is when USC should play well going into. There's going to be a lot of tough games, um, and it's hard. I mean, could Notre Dame circle the the USC game uh, when you had Ohio State and then you know a ranked Duke team and Louisville a ranked team? I think it would be hard. If, maybe you were looking ahead to USC, but you know then you had to be losing two of those three. Um, so I don't think this was one you could have circled. USC, you could say maybe they were looking ahead to this one from the beginning of the season because there just wasn't that tough a schedule. We'll see. Um, but that, that's why it makes us so intriguing. The game is very intriguing because it could be one of those things where, oh, here's the USC we expected the last few weeks. I, I felt the same way uh, that Connor did. The last week was going to be the bounce that you're coming home. You're going to show Especially after the good. Colorado game in the second half, it was like, let's show people that that's not us. And it was like the exact opposite. It was like even worse. And, but you know, if you're trying, you're not really flipping the switch, uh, you know, against the the kind of team that's going to get you to the next game. Like you're against the next worst team. Like you're flipping the switch against the really good team that's coming in. So maybe that's the case. Or maybe there's no switch to flip. I guess we're going to find out on Saturday. Here's what I'm looking for. So in the last three games, Sam Hartman, the quarterback for Notre Dame, on passes in the air, 20 yards or more, he's 2 of 14 for 64 yards and one touchdown. They haven't been able to go deep. So if they're having success throwing the long ball against USC, we talk so much about guys having a career career game against USC in the past. That's a problem. They have not been able to throw the ball deep these last couple games against really good opponents. USC, they need to make sure that Notre Dame isn't beating them deep because these other teams, they've been able to stop Notre Dame. And I think if you're a real contender, you're a real team, you got a chance to have a special season, you do the same thing. That's a really good point. Um, I mean, we mentioned the running. like They haven't been able to run the ball as well. The receivers the are not weeks. good, yeah. The receivers aren't good. USC is a defense. I would be okay if you like gave up some long passes, but you stopped the run. Or they ran okay, but then you, you continued. The, but you have to kind of... If Notre Dame's offense is on this trend of not being able to get the ball deep and not running the ball well, you don't want to let both of those you – know, yeah. don't break both of them. <laughs> like, you can't let them do both, you know. Uh, what's the, the commercial? Okay, why – we should have both or whatever. Like, <laughs> don't let them have both. Like, give them one or the other, and I'll be okay with it. You can't give them – but the, what, so far, this USC defense is like, oh, Colorado can't run the ball. Yes, they can. They play USC. So you can't let them do both of those things. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I think it's it's going to be interesting. I think the rain does will play a big factor in that as well. Like if if they're not if they haven't been able to pass the deep ball normally, 
Are you banking on them being able to do it better in sideways rain and swirling winds and, you know, 40 degree temperatures? You would guess no. But then again, if the USC offense allows it, that's just another sign that you need to kind of be critical. But I think uh, the offensive line for Notre Dame is going to play a big role, not only in the run game, but in the pass game as well. They've allowed 38 pressures on Sam Hartman in the last two weeks alone, which is the most for any quarterback offensive line in college football. We know that's where USC excels. If they're able to stop the run early in the game and force Notre Dame to pass, I think this pass rush for USC could take advantage of a Notre Dame offensive line that I think is worse than people thought coming into the year. But you have to get to that position first. You have to stop the run early. You have to do what Louisville did, which is hold Audric estimated 10 carries for 20 yards. And then you force Sam Hartman to throw it. Then you force him to really push the envelope. He throws three interceptions in that game, loses a couple fumbles, tons of pressure on him. If you can get Notre Dame into that scenario, and you definitely could uh, if you're USC's defense, because we've seen them play well early in a game, you know, that gives you the upper hand. And then what we're still looking for is for USC to play that complete defensive game. They played pretty well in the first half against Colorado. They played pretty well in the second half against Arizona State outside of, you know, one play to Scadaboo down the right sideline. They played pretty well across that, you know, second and third quarter portion of the Arizona game. Two quarters isn't a football game. Three quarters isn't a football game. And I'm not sure you trust this USC offense enough to completely bury Notre Dame with Notre Dame's defense. So if USC's playing good defense in the first half and USC's offense, you know, maybe gets a 21-point lead, like even though you feel good about it, it's not a full win yet. So you can't just completely scoreboard watch on defense. And who knows, maybe that was just the case of playing Colorado and you never really felt threatened. And then all of a sudden they kind of put off a flurry of points. So maybe they stay a little bit more engaged through the Notre Dame game, but you have to see a full 60 minutes or more with potential overtime that we saw last week from this USC defense. Yeah, You brought up the offensive line of Notre Dame there, Jack, and for some reason against Louisville, they were rotating a lot of guys, and Marcus Freeman said this week, we are not going to do that unless we're hurt or someone's just not playing well. They plan to stick with five guys, and I think the continuity will help them a little bit. USC, their edge rushers have been great this year. Could they certainly pressure Hartman? You've mentioned that stat. Yeah, they definitely could, which is a surprise because Joe Alt is such a great left tackle, probably a first-round pick for Notre Dame. I'm surprised that they've given up that many pressures, even though it's clear the rest of the line hasn't been very good. But I just imagine that continuity, they'll be a little bit better and maybe a lot better, but I don't think they'll be as bad as they've been in the last couple of weeks. I think they're going to have a different plan with that line. Yeah, we'll see how USC's offensive line plays well, too. They they haven't been super excited with their performance the last couple of weeks. I know fans haven't been either. Neither is Josh Henson, the offensive line coach who we got to talk to yesterday. And I think these rain games, are these are the ones that the offensive linemen get a little bit more excited for because it's more important. And, you know, teams probably won't come out and say it, but it is more important to play well at the line of scrimmage and not only a rivalry game, not only a game with Notre Dame, but a game where there's going to be bad weather because I don't think you're going to see Caleb Williams and Sam Hartman throw the ball as much as they would maybe in a game at the Coliseum. The rain is going to be a factor. The wind is going to be a factor. Um, this DB group for Notre Dame is one of the best in the country. Benjamin Morris in the corner might be one of the best cornerbacks in the country, and he's only a true sophomore. So this is a you know a game where I'm not sure USC's passing game is going to light things up. I'm not sure you're seeing 500 yards from Caleb Williams because he didn't even throw, I don't think, for 200 against Notre Dame last year. Just had three touchdowns on the ground. Very similar performance to the one last week against Arizona, but this is going to be an important matchup for both offensive lines, the running game for both sides, and I think you're going to see Caleb Williams use his legs a decent amount because I think he's going to need to with how good this secondary is for Notre Dame. Yeah, he started to take off a little bit more against Arizona, and he said doesn't really like to. You might see a little bit more of that, especially if guys are covered and then just kind of take off and run, but I'd like to see them you know, establish the run, you know, run the ball on first down, 
Uh, mix it in a little bit more. Pound Marshawn Lloyd. He's just, you know, the, his size and the, his feet are so pretty. Just the way he's you know, coming through at that size. So I would, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. Just a more cohesive offense attack. It just looked a little just piecemeal. It just was like, ah, oh, we want to try this and do this. Um, you know, I, it's almost like you're you're outsmarting yourself and you're like trying to do too many things at once. Like, I feel like there's just going to be more focus. Like, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to attack this. And here's our plan. It's like that, you know, when plays, you see a team come out with scripted plays and they just look really good. I feel like that's sort of like what you're going to see in this one. It's pretty clear, and I don't blame him, that Lincoln Riley wants to keep the ball in Caleb Williams' hands as much as possible. Why wouldn't he, the reigning Heisman winner? I wonder if the weather forces his hand a little bit, and USC does try to run a little bit more with Marshawn Lloyd, who's been so good this year, and Austin Jones, because not only Notre Dame has struggled to stop the run, especially against Louisville, but just the weather, you can't throw it as much as you'd like with Caleb Williams because it's pouring so much. And we'll see. I think the the, the weather I saw was 70% chance of rain, so I don't know if it'll be raining at all. Who knows? As we get closer to game time, we'll have to uh, determine that. I just think the weather could potentially lead USC to running the ball more, and that might be a blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah, they did outrun UCLA and Notre Dame in both of those two rivalry games last year. Like they, they have shown they can run the ball these last couple weeks. Uh, ever, basically, ever since the Arizona State game, where they had a really nice day and then didn't fully kind of go into it with the carries on Marshawn Lloyd, they have been struggling running the ball. So, it, you know, there's just a lot of storylines coming into this week where it's like Connor, when he said it in the intro, was, was completely right. Like, something has to give. One of these offensive lines is probably going to have a better day than they have been recently. One of these defenses is going to step up, or you know, whether it's USC's defense or Notre Dame's offense, like, one of these units will probably step up, and whichever team gets that from that unit probably wins the game. But we've got some questions lined up here on YouTube. Yeah, no no callers no callers in the queue. So if you guys have thoughts if you want to talk about anything USD Notre Dame uh, or the matchup on Saturday call in at 5124 tunnel and we can get to those after some of these questions uh, but Andrew on YouTube says what's your take on what Dion said about late games every player interview says that they hate late games and then I gotta load the rest of this he said both SC games against ASU and Arizona have been late and the players have come out flat so what's your guys take I think Dion said he didn't like them yeah he's not a fan uh, he's like you know, why you have to play that late? Um, it's funny, there's no late Pac-12 games this week, which is, you know, the USC, and then I think uh, there's one more at 5 o'clock. Like, it's 4.30 local time, and, you know, it's 7.30 where we're going to be. Um, but, yeah, and I think for USC, it didn't really help either to play, like, the latest possible game, then the earliest possible game, and then the latest possible game. That's probably not good either, but that's just the way it is, Dion. Like, you know, you're on the West Coast. Like, pe- that's a... That's a time slot that these TV networks want to fill. They, they're paying all that money, and it's just kind of a reality. Yeah, it all comes down to TV. I get him not liking them, covering them. I don't love him either, but no, I'm like just him. so happy to be doing this job that I guess I don't really care. Um, but it's all about TV. They pay the bills. They can put the game whenever they want. And let's be honest, if you're a big college football fan and there's a late game on, you're going to watch it. It's right. not like people aren't watching these games because they're so late. Colorado, the Colorado State game, that was really late at night, and that had like the biggest viewership of the year so far. So that's why they put them there. People still watch. Yeah. So you, you don't want to have late games win. Like they're probably not – if you're like undefeated, you're probably not playing the 10.30 p.m. Uh, East – You know, they want to have that on where East Coast people are watching. So if you're really good – you're probably not going to play in that late game. Yeah, USC's got primetime this week, primetime next week. Both those times are already set, so that'll be nice to not you know be going to sleep at 2 a.m. after getting home from the Coliseum. That'll yeah. be that'll. Well, be we will be one. driving back from That's true. from South Bend, which is, is it makes it late that one. But 
Plus uh, late local time there. So yeah. Yeah. Another question from YouTube. Which part of the USC defense do you think is the Achilles heel? And they gave a couple options. Is it a specific position group, coaching, player communication, etc.? What's your guys' take? I, I feel like their focus is on because when Lincoln Riley went off on his little kind of when his rant uh, during practice this week, he talked about quarterback pressures and tackles for loss. So it seems like if you're kind of selling out to get those, you're not doing a good job of stopping the run. It's kind of like you want to get those, but so I feel like it might be just a focus on one aspect of it and you're ignoring other aspects. So maybe it's not a position group, but it's more about philosophy of we want to pressure the quarterback, which is great, but then you're giving up these big runs and you're giving up big plays down the field when you don't get there. So to me, maybe it's more about focus. The second safety next to Kalen Bullock has really struggled this year, no matter who it's been. So that's one position I'd look at. And then Eric Gentry and Shane Lee were terrific against Arizona last week, two linebackers. They didn't play a ton. Mason Cobb played every snap. Tackett Curtis played a lot as well, though he didn't play as much late. I think the linebacker spot has been a little bit of an issue, too. And things are trending in the right direction. I think we'll see more of Eric Gentry this week, and he certainly deserved a bigger role. But I'd look at those two spots. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously tackling is a big issue that we've talked about. The 17 missed tackles against Arizona, 17 against Colorado, 15 against Arizona State. I think that's 49 in the last three weeks alone. Has to be better. Uh, I think play calling has been an issue at different times this season. Talked about it um, on Tunnel Vision after the game against Arizona. And then I would also say DBs playing the ball in the air. You know, early in the season when, you know, San Jose State had that one catch over Sierra Wright and then Nevada had that one catch over Damani Jackson. We looked at those and we were like, okay, they're in a good spot. Next time they'll knock it away. Like that's one that doesn't get completed very often. We've seen a lot of those now throughout the season. Arizona State had a couple. Arizona had a couple. Like USC's DBs, I know we kind of gave them a pass the first couple times because those plays are a little bit more rare. More often than not, the corner's able to knock them away or intercept them, and the wide receiver doesn't bring them, back, bring them down. Wide receivers are bringing down too many of those balls against USC, so I think that's one area that could improve. So I would say those are the three areas, position group-wise, I think you guys nailed it. But uh, Tanner on YouTube says, in the last three games, USC's third down conversion numbers have been 3 for 10, 3 for 9, and 3 for 9. What adjustment would you guys make to help improve conversion rates? So I'd like to complete more passes on third down. I think that would help. Uh, no, I, I feel like it's, um, you know, being able to find that sort of open guy. And some of it is just having more success on the earlier downs. Like, I think USC kind of relied early in the season on, eh, if it's third and eight, we'll pick it up. It doesn't really matter. But, it, yeah, sometimes the sequencing of the, the drives, they would be like, you know, you're getting the, if you're always running on second and 10, like, ah, you know, like, I, I'd rather not see that as much. But it seemed like there was a lot of that uh, kind of going on. But, you know, really, it it's great if Caleb Williams can run around and find the big play, but having something in rhythm on third down. Here's the play call. Read, read, read. Uh, one of those guys is open. Throw him the ball. Move the sticks and kind of go from there. It seems like they've got away from that a little bit. Lincoln Riley talked about it today. They're just getting into too many third and longs, and it's too difficult to convert those. If it's third and one or third and two and third and three, they'd have an easier time. But due to penalties or tackles for loss, for whatever reason, they've had a lot of third and longs, and those are just tougher to pick up. So he didn't even give an answer as to what they're doing differently or why that's 
why they're not having success. He just said it. You know, it's only the the third and long. We're not. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. We just need to be better on the earlier downs and, and not get into those third and long situations. Yeah, that's definitely one of the, the one of the aspects they need to get better at. I also say, you know, sometimes they look a little too far past the chains, and I think that's when you've got what you perceive to be the best offense in college football, and with how well they played the first couple of weeks, and really they have played throughout the entire season, except for some rough stretches. I think they think they're invincible sometimes, and <laughs> you know, we watch this offense and we're like, oh, third and twenty, like that. They they got one against Arizona State, they'll pick it up. But eventually, when you start looking on a third and four, you're looking twenty yards past the chains, or you're throwing a deep ball, and you're throwing these low percentage passes that normally you complete because you are the best offense in college football. That is when you can start running into some problems. So I think you know they need to become a little bit more patient on third downs. They don't need to score incredibly quick. If it's a third and five, go for seven. You don't need to go for the entire drive on a third down because if it falls incomplete, now you're punting instead of just you know converting and then having a new fresh set of downs. So I think you'll start to see them be a little bit better in that regard. That's kind of one of the knocks that I would have on Caleb Williams. Very few that, that we've got on the reigning or Heisman Trophy winner, but sometimes I feel like he's looking too far past the sticks on third downs, but that's one of the things that they can do to get better at converting. Uh, Fidi Lamas on Facebook says, what would be the first sign that you know it's going to be a long day for USC on Saturday other than the score I think like not scoring early you know not you know not converting on third downs early um you know not getting a stop or just you know Notre Dame like oh run eight yards second and two uh run for 12 yards and move the chain you know stuff like that uh yeah those early signs are like oh that's probably not good doesn't mean it's going to go that way but I would say you want to see this offense be really good to start the games. It has been in every game except Arizona. They're the only team that wasn't ever losing all year. So kind of get back to that. Get that early lead, and you're like, okay. And then then it's more about can you hold on and things like that. But if you you get that early lead, then you're probably in, in decent shape. If you don't, then I think that would be a concern. My mind goes to coverage busts. If the defense is giving up wide open touchdowns like we saw early against Arizona then I think you kind of roll your eyes and go, oh, here we go again. And can USC overcome that? They did it against Arizona. Who's to say they can against Notre Dame? It's definitely on the table. But eventually, if you keep shooting yourself in the foot on defense, it's going to come back to bite you. So I look at coverage busts. you got to just make the other team earn it at a bare minimum. If they score and they execute well, fine. But if you're giving them wide open touchdowns, that's a yeah. huge problem. Yeah, I would say physicality at the line of scrimmage on both sides, because if USC's offensive line isn't able to handle the defensive line in Notre Dame, you might have a tough time in the rain. Uh, and then same way the other way around. If, if you let Notre Dame's offensive line, which has been struggling, start to push you around early on the road. That could be tough, as well as just how are they handling the environment? Because if they look frustrated with you know the crowd bearing down on them, if they look like they are not equipped to handle the weather, that could be a problem, and that could set you further back uh, in the game. So that's one thing to look for. Waggy53 says, what position group do you want to see the most improvement from in this game? Probably the linebackers. Um, I just, you know, if they're flying around making tackles, they're probably helping. Uh, you know, get you know get stops. They're probably limiting uh, you know success in the run game. They're probably limiting uh, success throwing to tight ends. I think that's where I want to see if the linebackers play well. They're not missing tackles. Uh, they're making plays. You know, like the Mason Cobb play at the end of the game. You want to see them making plays. You know, the, being a part of it. If they're doing that, I think you're going to be okay. 
I think the one unit overall you can point to last week as being the most disappointing compared to where they usually are is the wide receivers. So I'd say sure. the wide receivers. A lot of guys struggling to get open. Dorian Singer was targeted, I believe, four times. He didn't have a single catch. He was really struggling to get open in that game. So I, I look at the receivers, but of course, my mind also goes to defense, like you said, Ryan. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll say the offensive line. I think we've talked about them a lot in this show. They're an area that you think could be pretty good, especially because you've got, you know, I think five talented players, and I want to see them be able to gel in a, in a road atmosphere and really get up for a game that they are probably the most needed so far in the season, um, you know, with a physical rivalry game as well as with the rain. That's one of the areas that you hope to see them kind of get up for the game. We've got two callers in the queue now, so we can go to them before we wrap up the show. We'll start off with a no-name caller. Doesn't say it on the auto screen, but hi, caller, you're on Tunnel Vision. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking my call. A huge fan. Um, my question is, who do you guys think is going to be responsible for covering Notre Dame's tight ends? I think you'll see a lot of Jalen Smith. Um, I mean, it, we but we've seen linebackers, we've seen safety. You know, we've seen nickels. Like it's it sort of depends on what the defense is. I don't think they're going to be like this guy's going to cover them. It's it's just really kind of what the call is. But that I think that's part of the problem sometimes is because you see different people doing different things and. Then all of a sudden, it's like some sort of mismatch that you didn't really plan for, and boom, it's a big play. Mitchell Evans is the great tight end for Notre Dame. Max Williams has covered tight ends this year a lot, even though he's a little bit smaller. And, of course, tight ends, just by nature, they're a little bit bigger. So I expect him, if what they've done in the past is what they do this week, to play a little bit against Evans, Jalen Smith potentially. I wonder... Because the Notre Dame wide receivers just have really struggled this year, if we see maybe a corner on a tight end, just because you don't have to worry about the receivers as much. USC hasn't done that a ton in the past, so uh, that's a it's a great question from the caller. Um, your guess is as good as mine, I guess, because I don't love the Max Williams matchup, but they keep going back to that, it looks like. And here's the thing. I don't think you're always going to see one person yeah. travel with the tight end, because if you're not playing man coverage, you don't really get to decide. You can kind of try and, 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 and work it out, but good teams that you're playing against are going to try and scheme up their players and get them the matchups they want. And Notre Dame knows well that Max Williams struggled guarding the tight end last year. Michael Mayer caught a couple touchdowns over him. They're going to try and scheme up uh, Mitchell Evans, maybe away from a Jalen Smith or away from an Eric Gentry to try and get him a couple plays on Max Williams or whoever they believe a good mismatch is. And that's just the ebb and flow of football. So I don't think you're going to see one person travel with the tight end the entire game because that's just not really how the defense works and good teams are able to scheme away from that so I think you'll look for USC to use Jalen Smith Eric Gentry maybe as two options but Notre Dame is going to try some things to to get the matchup that they want and we've got Dave from Iowa in the queue hi Dave you're on Tunnel Vision hi guys Dave from Iowa good to be back um earlier this week Joel Klatt and Colin Cowherd uh, both agreed that USC is the third best team in the Pac-12 one do you agree with that and then two off topic Thus far this football season, we've seen college kids go 0 for 6 when attempting a 35-yard field goal. Do we see a college kid in the second half of the season at least making one field, uh, one 35-yard field goal to make uh, to get that paycheck? So I think he's talking about on All Pat that. McAfee's show, not not college kickers, but the kids that they bring on Pat McAfee's show that they've, you know, Pat McAfee is basically trying to make fun of people that make fun of kickers. So he's uh, giving them a chance to win a paycheck by kicking a 35 uh 
yard field goal and so far on his show they've missed every single week he's kind of a doofus i hated what he said about washington state and stuff that was just really i just thought he was way so out of line on tone deaf line. yeah yeah there was some tone deafness there so i don't know i'm not going to answer that one i don't care i don't care what happens on the show <laughs> i would say i would make the kick i'm a i'm a, I, I can kick a field goal or two so I, I, like I would it, make yeah. the kick and I'll, I'll take the money if pat wants to bring me on the show all right hey maybe uh when does he do the show? Will he be? I mean, it's wherever game day. Yeah, goes. so they'll be there. So maybe we'll get you to the front of the line. As to the question about uh, the third best team in the Pac-12, I think right now it's kind of hard to argue that USC isn't right now. Could it change? Certainly, but based on what they've done the last few weeks, I mean, Oregon they destroy Colorado. They were at home. USC played them on the road, only won by a touchdown. It's a little bit different. Washington they controlled the whole game against Arizona, and then it went on to win by one score. So it looks a little bit different. But USC needed three overtimes to beat Arizona, and that was at home. So I don't think it's really that um, controversial to say that right now USC is the third best team in the Pac-12. I had them at the beginning of the year as the best, and I still think that that's where their ceiling is. But just based on what I've seen in the last three weeks, I don't think that's unfair. Yeah, I think that's the ceiling is still there, but just from resume-wise, you can't say that they've looked better than Oregon and Washington, or even like UCLA. Like they they lost on the road at Utah, but um, they're looking. You know, they're playing really good defense. They're looking really good right now. But it doesn't really matter. Like the the USC's hardest games are coming up, so that's when you. That's when it's going to exactly. count. Like it doesn't count. Like Justin Dieter said this week, screw rankings. We don't even think about ranking. You know, right now it doesn't matter. Yeah, like you you didn't cover twenty one point spreads. Like okay, so but you still won. I mean, it's just not you're not getting a lot of data from beating Arizona in triple overtime. Like you're looking some concerns, but it doesn't. <laughs> it what Lincoln Riley said uh, is kind of true when you're like you're going to look back on it and uh, you know I, what. Which was it? Was the Arizona State game maybe that they came back? I forgot what it was. He was saying, you're not going to look – you're going to look back on this and it doesn't matter. Colorado. It's just a dub. It was the Colorado game. Um, and he's right if you go and win these ones. Now, if you lose in that, you know, a couple of games coming up, then you're going to point to that and be like, see, you didn't even take care of business against Colorado. But if you beat Notre Dame on the road and then you go home and beat Utah, which I think those are both winnable games for sure, and you got Cal, which – they're not that good. Their their offense is better this year, and you're like nine and zero at this point with huge games coming up. You, I don't think you care that you had the collapse. Like you've did the important things, and now you're saying, okay, this is probably the best team in the conference. But you got to play these good teams if you're going to like say that USC is the best. We'll see. I mean, I, Oregon or Washington could look like crap this weekend when they play each other, or they could both be great and it's an awesome game. We don't know. But the games that matter to determine all this stuff haven't been played yet. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, th I think right now it's hard to argue, especially resume-wise. I think Oregon's the most balanced team in the conference. I think Notre or USC and Washington probably have two of the top three offenses in the country. Washington doesn't get a lot of heat for their defense, but I don't think their defense is great. It's definitely not as bad as USC's has been this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if they've got games where they allow a lot of points. Um, and you know who? Maybe that's the USC. Maybe that's this week um, in, at, at Oregon or at, at home against Oregon. That's going to be a big one. But I think right now it's hard to argue with what you've seen from USC these past three weeks. But I think any one of those teams could win the conference. I think you're probably taking two of those three teams to be in the Pac-12 championship game. Although I still think Oregon State, Utah, and UCLA are in the mix, but it's hard to imagine you know a Pac-12 championship game not having a winner being one of those three. So I think they're in a, a tier of their own right now, but I, I put USC at third as of right now, but I think you're right. The ceiling is to potentially be the best. That was supposed to be the last caller, but we've had three callers enter the queue, <laughs> right. so we've got a, a couple more to go to. Uh, we'll just kind of rattle them off one by one. Hi, caller. You're on Tunnel Vision. 
Hey, fellas, this is Curtis from Moreno Valley. How you doing? Hey, Curtis. Hey, Curtis. Hey, I've just come to the realization that with our defense, every game is going to be exciting. And I like what you said yesterday, that style points don't matter. I'm so happy now that we could win any kind of way by one point, two points, three points. It doesn't matter. If we continue to win, we go to the championship. And I also like the ceiling. Let's go with the ceiling. Hope for the best and have fun. Talk to you later. Thanks, Curtis. Uh, yeah, enjoy the games this weekend. You know, it's it's right. Like the problem is, you can you have dissected this team that's six and zero, and Lincoln Riley, who's seventeen and three, and beat both his rivals, and they won a Heisman. And you're dissecting it because they haven't looked that good. If they don't look that good and beat Notre Dame, you beat Notre Dame on the road. Like that's fine. Like a one point win, whatever. Um, that's completely fine. So it is better now that it's just going to be more about winning. Every single game was at least a 21 and a half point spread. Like that's insane. Like you have six games in a row like that where you're just expected to beat the crap out of everybody. Now you're an underdog for the first time. Um, so this is this is much better. You're just like, all right, just go in. If you like put together a drive at the end and win, great. You know, um, you're not going to feel bad about this one. So Curtis is right. Yeah. And maybe this is the team. I don't know how sustainable it is that just win shootouts. Maybe it's a crazy 40-point game for both teams and USC wins again on some Caleb Williams magic, and that's the way that they get it done this year. Like I said, I don't know how sustainable that is, but if they win like that, Curtis is right, and we said it yesterday or Wednesday. Yeah, yesterday, Wednesday. Uh, the, st the style points don't matter when you're playing a ranked team on the road. Just win at all costs. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't even have to be a shootout. I mean, if USC doesn't have one of the worst special teams plays that we've ever seen last week, they win 31-28, <laughs> which is, like, that is way less points than we were expecting in any USC game this year. So, like, that's, you know, uh, shows that the, the defense can step up a little bit at least, and you could have a bad game for the defense against Notre Dame or Utah or Washington or Oregon, if you win by at least a point, or they get one stop in the second half, you're gonna you're gonna applaud that one stop, and maybe that that lessens your expectations for the next next couple of weeks. But just ask yourself, would you rather be six and zero or Notre Dame at four and or five and two? Like they've already got two losses, they beat all their out of conference competition, they blew them out. But then when it came down to you know the games that they needed to win, they've lost two of them now, and they know they're eliminated from the college football playoffs. So I think you'd rather just win the football games at all costs. Was that was that field goal worse than the kickoff return in the Cotton Bowl? I think the t kickoff return in the Cotton Bowl or non-return. That well, was that, I mean that led to a safety directly. So if you combine yeah. them, I mean it's that. But you could have won the game, but that one sort of lost you the game. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, I would say probably the the Tulane ones worse. But we're saying one of and definitely it like of. both of those are in the. But there were too of many of those two, and like I think in this one, I mean it's not going to be a key to the game. But, Notre Dame's kicker's good too. But don't screw up special teams plays like there's just been they've been bad on special teams they've not been good like outside of the Zachariah Branch plays that are seem like a distant memory they've been not good on special teams and uh, I think the argument for not having a special teams coordinator is not holding up very well so uh, I think that's one thing that should change like if USC goes and wins and makes the playoff and stuff and the defense is better I think people would be happy but you know Alex Grinch is probably coming back because if they won these games like the defense is probably playing well I don't think you can justify not having a special teams coordinator at this point. Like it's just it's just too bad. Yeah, definitely. I think they they probably watched those first couple Zachariah Branch 
touchdowns and we're like, oh, we're in the clear. Everyone's going to forget about the special teams. And now that he's missed a couple games, it's kind of all showing up a little bit more. But definitely something that they need to fix and can't have a mistake like that in a game like this against Notre Dame. Uh, we've got two more callers in the queue and then we'll wrap the show up. Hi, caller. You're on Tunnel Vision. Hi, this is Kate. I'm calling about the NCAA Tez Walker ruling, and I was wondering if you foresee the NCAA becoming more lenient after this ruling, and if so, do you think that will make USC more or less competitive on the recruiting trail? Kate, hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. Which ruling was she talking about? Tez Walker. So he's North Carolina was expected to kind of be their number one receiver, and then NCAA was holding him out for some time, was not letting him play. They have officially let him come back, so he will be playing his first game against Miami this week. No, he played last week against Syracuse, of course, against my freaking former (laughs) school. Well, you should have known Syracuse was not going to win that one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Thanks for the call, though. Appreciate it. Um, I feel like, I mean, the NCAA is trying to get some sort of help from the federal government in whichever way it can, because it is different. Um, USC is taking the rules of the NIL world and they're looking at it one way and there's other schools that are following suit and there's, there's other schools that are looking at it a different way. And then some schools that have resources are, are putting them towards high school players um, and schools like USC aren't doing that. Uh, they're doing more, you know, they're doing definitely more through the portal where it, that doesn't matter as much. But yeah, there's, I, it would be better if there was some sort of uniform, you know, understanding, even if nothing happens with Congress. But it's very clear, like, hey, funneling NIL to high school players is not, you know, this isn't, uh, we're not allowed. I mean, they've said that, but there's state laws that have passed. I mean, there's weird, Missouri has a weird one that's like, you can get NIL as a high school player as long as you go to an in-state school. Like, literally, state law is trying to help their local programs do better. Stuff like that is just like, that's, you know, you, it's never an even playing field. Like, Alabama's always going to be better than North Texas. But some of the stuff where the, the rules are, like, different, when there's, like, state laws being passed, I would like to see something more universal. But I think a lot of it's under USC's own control. Like, they've definitely been more on the conservative side of that. And... Maybe you're waiting on uh, some NCAA ruling or Congress or whatever, but at some point you could say, you know what, this is just this keeps happening, so we're going to change our philosophy. But they've been very clear. Uh, every coach you talk to, the collectives, everyone, every collective that I've talked to, all of their focus has not been on high school, and that's not the case for every school. I mean, it's it is definitely weird out there, and USC can still recruit, but you're going to miss on some guys that. Is focused on. I think Jamil Muhammad um, said this week that, you know, when they were talking to him about NIL, like he didn't even want to hear that. Like, so you're going to get players like that that want to go to the NFL. And it's like, but there are players that want to get money to take a visit, not even to commit to the school or go to the school, just to go on a visit. So that's out there. And USC is probably not going to be getting many of those guys because that's just not something that they do. Um, so I don't know, long answer there. Thanks again for the question. But I feel like some of this is in USC's control, but I think they're kind of waiting. My gut is they're sort of waiting on some more universal rulings and, and uh, you know guidelines, I guess, for what schools are doing. Because right now, everyone's kind of playing by a different rule book. Well, the Tez Walker thing made no sense. It was his first time transferring from Kent State to North Carolina, and for whatever reason, he was ruled ineligible. And then the NCAA said a few weeks into the season – 
you're eligible now because UNC gave us some new information that we didn't have before. And it was just a mess. You should have been eligible from right away. Right. They screwed that up. And, and they were just trying to flex their muscle as their muscle gets smaller and smaller because they're, they're losing power day by day. So how does that affect USC? Maybe if someone transfers to USC a second time and the NCAA is a little bit more leaning in the future, you could look at this as precedent, even though it's different. I just think the NCAA messed up, and I expect everyone to be eligible for USC if they transfer from a different school for the first time. And this was just a weird situation. I don't think the NCAA will do anything like this in the future because they got so much bad press. Yeah, former USC wide receiver Jake Smith transferred to Arizona State. Similar thing happened. He was not ruled eligible to play. Meanwhile, you've got like JT Daniels has transferred for exactly. like 19 yeah. times. I mean, he was in college football maybe almost before I was born, basically. <laughs> uh, and he's played for a million different schools. So it's kind of just, it's a gray area. And I think Connor's right. Like the NCAA, they do these things sometimes to try and flex their muscles. I don't think they're going to mess up more because if you keep the fire on them, if the teams and the media keep the pressure on the NCAA, I don't think they'll do stupid stuff like that again. But it was just a weird situation that I'm not sure has a ton of correlation to USC. But who knows? We could see something you know similar happen. If Dorian Singer you know wasn't allowed to play, we'd be talking about that all the time. So just kind of a matter of it happened to UNC. And if you're a USC fan, you hope it doesn't happen to them. But one more caller, and then we'll finish things out here with our score predictions. Hi, caller. You're on Tunnel Vision. Hey, how you doing, man? This is Cash from uh, Sacramento. Um, I'm just wondering if we think, uh, if you guys think we should run the ball more and uh, develop that going on moving forward and uh, pass the ball more because, uh, you know, obviously we won't have the Caleb Magic going on, but I think we should install the running game early and and because, you know, it's going to be a high scoring game either way. Um, so what do you guys think the safeties need to do and the DBs need to do to step up and move forward and get this win? Hey, Cash, thanks for the call. Uh, I think first-time caller, so appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, Lincoln Riley's an offensive genius, and what, you know, even last week, I think they had still had like the number one offense in the country, so it's hard to like question, but we had uh, the other, uh, I mean, I think what the other caller mentioned that, you know, really struggling on third downs the last three weeks, and when you look at it, like you feel like, okay, if you kind of establish the run a little bit, not like, you know, this isn't eye formation and that kind of stuff, but just, you know, you could run the ball on first down a few times and kind of get that going. I feel like the flow would go a little bit better. Just from the outside looking in, you're an offensive genius, like you have your own game plan of what you want to do, but from the outside, it looks, you know, it seems like you might think might have flowed a little better if you kind of established the run a little more. We've seen two fumbled exchanges this year between Caleb Williams and Marshawn Lloyd. Do you think that has any reason to do why with why Marshawn didn't play in the overtime against Arizona and maybe why Lincoln Riley is at least a little hesitant sometimes to run the ball? That would be my only thing because I feel like whenever they run it with Marshawn Lloyd, yeah, he's lost some yards a couple times, but he's averaging seven point something yards per carry. He's done amazing. I don't know why they don't run the ball more, and I think they should run the ball more. I don't think that's like just straight handoffs. Like some of yeah, it's an option. It's he's reading. It's the you know. It, it, but either way, it hasn't been clean. Right, and it's but that's when it's not, and that's I think one of the other things too is it's not all on Lincoln Riley. I think Caleb Williams has. The run pass option thing yeah. going on a lot and he like you know he made the wrong read you know he's done that where it's you know it's not very often but um as opposed to just calling a running play like just hey we're this is going to be power here whatever you're going to do boom you're just going to hand it off and run and then i think you're not going to see that kind of uh exchange but there is some hesitancy sometimes and that's where i think we've seen some issues but i would like to see just like called run 
first down, just like boom, and then see what happens. Oh, it's second and four. We can do whatever we want. We can run it again. We can throw and all that kind of stuff. But they just haven't done a lot of that. Let's get into some score predictions. USC heading out to South Bend, Indiana. It'll be USC-Notre Dame. Such a good matchup all the time. Uh, and so I'm very excited to see how this one plays out. I feel like it could be one of those whoever has the ball last wins. It kind of feels like most of the time that's how these USC games have gone over the last couple seasons. They've ended up on the winning side you know, most of the time, but they've also had some losses, including in some similar road environments. So I don't know who wants to go first, but get some score predictions and then give your MVP. I can go first. No Caleb Williams, as always. I am picking Notre Dame by a touchdown this week. I just don't like what I've seen the last three weeks from USC. Talked after instant analysis, thought it was trending in the wrong direction. And hey, I've been wrong the two out of the last three weeks with my predictions. So, you know, this is probably a good thing for USC fans. But I just think Notre Dame, that defense, they can do a little bit of what Arizona did. And I'm a little bit nervous for the USC defense. I think Notre Dame, they'll have a bounce back performance, run the ball well. I think Sam Hartman's better than he showed last week. Just seems to me like USC's kind of going like this. And Notre Dame's a tough t- team to play on the road when you're trending in the wrong direction. So we'll see what happens. What a hater. Do you, have a, do, you, do you have a Notre Dame MVP then? I guess. This sure, is... I'll go with uh, Mitchell Evans, the tight end. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, I've been off. So my picks for the Pac 12, I do all the picks against the spread every game, have been good this year. My USC picks have been absolutely awful. I, you know, was I think was the only guy picking against USC against spread last year that was above 500 this year. I'm tied for the worst, or, or yeah, something like that. Just awful. But my my gut in this one is that USC does flip the switch a little bit. Uh, Caleb Williams and the offense get things going. Notre Dame has struggled with you know offensively, but I feel like they're going to be better in, in this game and score some points. But I just I trust you know number 13. I think he's going to be like. You know, doing his Superman stuff. Uh, there might be some ugly stuff. There might be another turnover. There could be a bad special teams play. But I feel like the this will be a game where the offense gets out in front and sort of stays there and maybe can separate and doesn't, and it just gets closer. So it's like a crazy game. It comes down to the end. Uh, but I think I like USC by a touchdown. This one, something like forty-five to thirty-eight. I, I was like, I've been bouncing around. I. I, I kind of knew that I was going to pick USC to win basically all week. I just feel like after the way I saw them play against Notre Dame last year that I feel like they're going to show up for the game uh, this year. The question for me was just like, how low scoring would it be? Maybe how high scoring would it be? The number that kept sticking out to me was 38 to 31 USC wins. You know, whether that is a late touchdown or a late stop, I'm not quite sure, but that was kind of the number that kept poking out for me because USC has scored at least 40 in every game so far, but they weren't going to get to that number in regulation so I don't feel like I need to predict over 40 this week. I think the te- or I think the you know the temperature as well as the weather will bring both teams' scores down. So I don't know if that's like too optimistic for USC's defense, but they did play well against Notre Dame last year. I think last year's final score was something around was it 38-27. It was somewhere in that range. So I think that's definitely a, you know a possibility. If I was going to give an MVP, I'm going to go Marshawn Lloyd. I have not taken them at any game this season. So since I got first pick, I think the run game is going to be important for USC. So I'll go with Lloyd. Oh, I didn't pick anybody. Uh, I'll go um, Taj Washington in this one. So go on. I don't did I give a score? I have 31-24 Notre Dame. Wow, so 24 points. Yeah, hey, only 28 against Arizona in regulations. That's fair. All right. All right. Do you guys have any more thoughts before we wrap this one up and hitch the flights tomorrow to the Midwest? If you're gonna be in Chicago Friday night, uh Theory Bar in uh I think it's North River or something like that. I forget what it's called. Uh yeah, go come check it out. We'll be there starting like six or something like that, uh local time. And uh, yeah, just the USC gathering. We've had a lot of fun at all the road games, just getting people to 
come out and say hello. So it would be great if you're going to be there. Otherwise, uh, enjoy the game when, when you're at home and make sure you check out Tunnel Vision Sunday night. And uh, we don't know who player. We're going to interview somebody from through House of Victory Sunday evening. So check that too. We're not sure who that's going to be this week. But we've had some awesome interviews. It was great. Jamil Mohammed was amazing last week. Probably the best one we've done. I know. I'm bummed was, I missed that one. It was just me. No, so. no, but <laughs> I, I didn't even know you were making a joke. But he's such a good interview. I was bummed I missed him. Uh, but yeah, so it'll be a lot of fun. And then we'll do our live show at 7 p.m., which is always our, our, our most popular show. So hope you guys can join us. Well, people want Connor kicked off the show. Apparently, they, <laughs> they love his objectivity until he officially picks USC to lose. So, you know. Connor, we'll see if you last till Sunday. You might be kicked <laughs> off. Who knows? But yeah, that's all we've got for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether you've been watching it live here on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, or you're listening to the replay. Make sure you're hitting the like button, hitting the subscribe button, wherever you get your Smash podcasts. It. Smash that like button, as Ryan Watt likes to say. And thank you guys so much for calling in and leaving your great comments and answering the questions. Say hi if you will be out in South Bend. Should be a good game, and, and you know we'll have our takeaways from whether it's a USC win or a USC loss here live on Tunnel Vision again on Sunday night. But anyways, I've been your host, Jack Smith in studio with Ryan Abraham and Connor Morissette. Thank you for watching Tunnel Vision, and we'll see you after the game on Saturday.